Thank you, Tim. From the, coming actually to the end of this mini-sermon series on the, uh, the mission and vision of the church. And just to remind you what we've seen so far. Uh, first, the church exists. Its, its reason for existing, what it's supposed to do, is make disciples. That means to help other people learn how or learn to follow Jesus. And that's a lifelong process. Uh, and actually, you can see a graphic on the screen behind me to that next slide. I used it before. I'm going to switch to the podium. What you see there on that graphic is this process of discipleship just visually laid out. That what we want to do is bring people from uh, the domain of darkness through Jesus into the kingdom of the Son. Right? That, uh, that we want to engage with those who do not know Christ so that they come to know Him and grow in Him to the end, to the one day, someday, when we are all gathered, when the redeemed are gathered around Jesus in the new heavens and the new earth. And so uh, that mission of discipleship, that work of discipleship happens over three areas. Worship, community, and mission. And worship, we make disciples, right? We are, we are built to give honor and glory to God, to cherish and seek Him above everything else. And so as a, as a community, we want to be growing in that. We want to be growing and learning what it means to seek Him first, right? To seek the one thing that is necessary. And then invite others to do the same, right? To orient all of life around the worship of God. Then also we make disciples in community. That we, we do this together, right? We, we band together, not around hobbies, not around our income status, but we band together around Jesus. And as we do that, as we cling to Jesus, His life, by the power of the Holy Spirit, changes ours. And we become more and more like Jesus in the way that we interact with each other. And I said last week, you probably noticed that there's a gap. Even in the best churches, there's a gap uh, between what we are called to be, what God calls us, and what we are in practice. Uh, but by God's grace, we want to see that gap uh, narrow and close. And so now we come to the final dimension of discipleship, mission. Uh, engaging with those who do not know Jesus in order that they might come to know Jesus. So if you would, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. There's a number of passages, a number of images, just like uh, I said last week with our community sermon. There's a number of places where the Bible describes community. So also, there's a number of places where uh, the Bible describes our mission, what, it, what it's like. And actually, you heard Tim uh, say one of my favorites in his prayer, right? That we would uh, spread the sweet aroma of Christ. Earlier in this letter... Uh, Paul says that believers are the fragrance of Christ. To some, they are the, the saving aroma, and some, to some, they are the stench of death. Uh, and so I, this sermon was almost titled, How Do You Smell? All right? Because we are, we are designed in the world to be the aroma of Christ. To some people, that will be the fragrance of life. To others, that will be the stench of death. Uh, but I landed on this one instead, 2 Corinthians 5. I'm actually going to start reading in verse... 14, uh, and what Paul is doing in this passage uh, is he is defining and defending his own ministry. 
Paul, like every leader, had his critics, uh, particularly in the city of Corinth. Uh, These people who would say, uh, he's not a real apostle. He's not a real messenger of Jesus. And so Paul uh, takes, uh, especially in this letter, great links to, to show, no, this is what ministry is. This is what God has called me to. Um, and we're going to read a section of that. And in one sense, Paul is talking to preachers just like him. Uh, he is addressing these things to men who lead the church by proclaiming the word. But I don't think those are the only people that God is talking to, that Paul is talking to in this description. Uh, I think he, I think these words that we're about to read have bearing on everyone who has been reconciled to God in Christ. So with that said, let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Lord, you've given us your word, and it is faithful and true. You tell us, Lord, that your word will accomplish the very purpose that you send it out for. So, God, this morning we ask for your help. God, I ask that I would be true to your word that whatever opinions or thoughts may come from Kevin's brain uh, would just be blown away. But whatever is of eternal value, Lord, what is from you, uh, that it would remain and that it would bear fruit. Lord, would you, uh, would you help us to not be hearers of the word, but doers also. Transform us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> My wife and I had the opportunity to spend the summer of 2008 in China. Uh, And if you have never uh, visited a foreign country, if you've never stayed in a foreign country for an extended period of time, uh, then you don't know what a disorienting experience that can be. Uh, We kind of take for granted um, the fact that all the signs around us are written in a language that we know. Uh, that the people sitting at the table next to us are talking in a language that we know. 
Uh, and so it becomes very apparent when you're in a foreign country whose language you do not know and whose customs you are unfamiliar with, you feel very out of place. Uh, while we were in China... Though we had the opportunity to, uh, we got to go to the U.S. Embassy, we had to do some passport stuff. <clears throat> and so, and I don't know if you know this, uh, but wherever there is an embassy, uh, that is actually the soil of that country. So, for instance, uh, the wherever, I'm assuming there's a Chinese embassy in New York City. We'll say that, all right? Uh, wherever there is an embassy, that is the soil of the country uh, of that particular embassy. So when you go into the Chinese embassy or the Mexican embassy, you are actually going into China. You are going into Mexico. Kind of crazy, huh? Because the, the dirt doesn't change, right? You actually haven't left the geographical bounds of that country, but you're, but you're in this little space. And that was true when we went to the U.S. embassy in China, in Beijing, As soon as we crossed the threshold, we were once again on U.S. soil, even though we had not left the geographical bounds of China. Uh, And of course, as soon as we walked right in the door, there was Starbucks, right? And and all the menu items were in English, right? And all the people were speaking English. Um, But an embassy represents its country, right? It It is a little space... Uh, so in the case of the United States, right, the U.S. Embassy is a little slice of the United States right there in Beijing. And at the embassy works the ambassador. Uh, and it is the ambassador's job to represent the United States to the people of China. And it is that word, ambassador, that Paul picks up when he describes our Role, our identity in an unbelieving world. That the church is actually an embassy of God's kingdom in a fallen world. And we, uh, following Paul's lead, are its ambassadors. Uh, so what we're going to see today, uh, this, is the, this is kind of the main point I want you to walk away with, is that those who have been reconciled to God are now ambassadors of that reconciliation. Those who have been reconciled to God in Christ are now messengers of that reconciliation. We are ambassadors. And we are empowered and equipped for this. Uh, I've got four short points Uh, One, we have a new perspective. Two, uh, we are made a new creation. Three, we receive a new status. And four, we have a new role. And all of those just kind of follow the logic of the passage and they're all connected to each other. Uh, What do I mean when we have a new perspective that we're empowered for this mission by a new perspective? Well, in verse 14, Paul says, the love of Christ controls us, compels us, constrains us. We are, uh, we are hemmed in by the love of Christ. And what are we hemmed into? Paul says in verse 15, that we no longer live for ourselves, but for Him who died for us and was raised for us. So the love of Christ, as soon as Paul realized the love of Christ in his own life, he realized that it it laser-focused him not to live for himself, but for his Savior. He was owned by the love of Christ. And when you are embraced by the love of God in Christ, it owns you. 
You are not your own man or woman anymore. You no longer live for yourself. And one thing that that changes, one way that you are changed by the love of God, by the love of Christ, is that your perspective, your view of other people changes. Look at verse 16. Paul says, We regard from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. We regard no one according to the flesh. What Paul means is he says, from now on, from the, from, from the moment that we come to know Christ, we don't look at people and we don't think about people from a simply human perspective. We don't evaluate things uh, by, by looking at the outside the way that we used to. We don't, we don't simply look at the material world, at what a person wears or how a person acts. We don't simply look at the externals and say, that's the truth. We now have a new perspective given to us in Jesus. Uh, and, and Paul says he even viewed Jesus that way. That as a young Pharisee as a religious fanatic, when when Paul heard about Jesus, we don't know that Paul actually ever saw Jesus um, prior to uh, what we have recorded in the book of Acts. So during Jesus' earthly ministry, we don't know that Paul actually ever ran into Jesus or heard him teach, but he did hear about him. He heard about this, this carpenter from Galilee who claimed to be God. And that made his blood boil. Because what right does a man, especially a carpenter from Galilee, what right does he have to claim to be God that's blasphemy? And so Paul, out of, because he viewed Jesus according to the flesh, right? Simply, simply going on external sight, uh, persecuted everyone who was following Jesus. He wanted to arrest and execute every follower of Jesus he could find. But then Jesus got a hold of him. Jesus captured his heart. Jesus turned him around and he changed the way that Paul saw things. Paul says, I don't look at people that way anymore. I don't look at people merely from a human perspective. I now look at them from Jesus' perspective. Jesus has changed the way that I think and see. So we no longer evaluate people based simply on what we can see, uh, but we consider others from a Christ-centered perspective. I love the way C.S. Lewis puts it in his essay, The Weight of Glory. Towards the end of that essay, he says, You have never met a mere mortal. There are no ordinary humans. What he means is that every person has an eternal destiny. And he says, every, every single person you meet, the most boring obnoxious, annoying person you could meet, if you could see their eternal future, you might see that they are a creature of such unimaginable beauty that you would be prone to worship them. And likewise, even the most uh, lovely person that you could imagine this side of heaven, if you could see their eternal destiny, they might be the most horrific nightmare of a creature. Right? There are no mere Mortals. There are no ordinary human beings. All of us have an eternal, uh, we, we need to have an eternal perspective on the people around us, is what Paul is saying. Jesus changes our perspective. And so what does that look like for us? What does that mean? Well, let's just contrast what those two perspectives, those two views might say. A merely human perspective might say, there's no hope for her. 
There's no way she can be reached. He's not going to come to know Christ. She's so self-righteous, she'll never understand the gospel. He's too lazy. He doesn't want anything to do with the things of God. That's, that's a human perspective. The Jesus perspective says, you know, if God can reach me, He can reach her. If Jesus is willing to save me, then certainly He can save him. That's the change in perspective, that we no longer see people, we no longer regard people, as Paul says, according to the flesh. And that Jesus perspective leads to us realizing that we are made a new creation. So not only do we have a new perspective, but we are made a new creation. When we come to know the love of Christ, we become a new creation. All things new. That's uh, that's what Isaiah said in the Old Testament as Isaiah talked about the coming Messiah, that one of the things that the Messiah would do when he arrived is that he would make all things new. That the old, broken down, worn out world shot through with sin and death would be made new. And that's what we see in Revelation 21. Right? We hear God say, Behold, I am making all things new. And where that begins is the work of Jesus in the heart of a believer. That everyone who is in Christ becomes new. Uh, Jesus would tell the Bible teacher Nicodemus in John chapter 3, You cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. Unless you have new life, you will not enter God's kingdom. You must be made new. And that's what happens when we are united to Christ by faith. And so Charles Hodge, a Bible commentator, says it this way. Old opinions, views, plans, desires, principles, and affections are passed away. New views of truth. New principles, new apprehensions of the destiny of man, and new feelings and purposes fill and govern the soul. Because of the love of Christ, we are made new. We are a new creation. Paul says that's, that's the view we need to take. That when people come into contact with Jesus, when they believe in Jesus, they are made new, and that is what we want. So how does that take place? How does that change take place? Well, look at verse 18. Paul says, all this is from God. All this. God has done it all. This is not man's design. It is not man's plan. It is not man's work. It all comes from God. And how does he do it? All this comes from God who through Christ reconciled us to Himself. This is our new status. We receive a new status. We are reconciled. Now think about that. What, is it, what does it mean to reconcile? Right When we reconcile with someone, it, it implies, in fact, more than implies, that there is a breach. That there's, there's hostility. There's a war there. There's a fight and that, and to be reconciled means that, that those two parties, that the breach is closed, that the fight is over, that someone has declared peace. 
No more fighting. No more separation. Now, usually, who is it that we expect to close the breach? Usually, uh, and in human dealings, we expect it to be the person who caused it. That the person, the person who started the fight to begin with is the one who has to make it right. That's what we tell our kids. You make it right. Right? You, if you cause the breach, you make it right. And that's how every uh, religion in the world operates. Every religion in the world, depending on how it sees God and understands God, under, sees that there's a breach between the divine and the human, and that there are certain things that humans have to do to get right with God. But not Christianity. Not in the gospel. What is Christianity's message? Christianity's message is that yes, we have offended God. Yes, we have started the fight. Yes, we have caused the breach. And what does God do? He reconciles. He is the one who reconciles us through His Son. He is the one who satisfies His own wrath. He satisfies His own wrath through the death of His Son. Romans 5.8 Right? Uh, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the astonishing message of Christianity, that God has reconciled Himself to us. He is the one who has closed the breach. He is the one who had made peace when He didn't have to. We deserve His wrath. And He reconciles us. But that's not it. That's, that's not all. Not only does He reconcile us along with that new status, He also gives us a new role, a new responsibility, a new calling. Look again at verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ... God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So those who have been reconciled are now the reconcilers. Or at least the messengers of reconciliation. It wouldn't be accurate to say we're the reconcilers. God is the one who reconciles. We simply get the opportunity to tell people about it. As, uh, as Steve Brown says, we're just beggars who get to tell other beggars where to find the bread. That's the message of reconciliation. right? The other, the other word that Paul uses here is he calls us ambassadors. Look at verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Now let's, let's camp out there for just a second. I want you to think a, little bit, uh, think a little bit more about the role of an ambassador. Uh, he lives in a foreign country, right? In a place that is not his home. And he regularly engages with foreign people. Talks with, eats with, does business with, lives next to people who are not like him. They are, they are not from his place. They are not his people, but he regularly is in, uh, is in contact with them, engaging with them. And he represents his home to those foreign people. Uh, he is a representative. He is the embodiment of his homeland. So an ambassador, and, and a large part of that, the main part of that, is that he speaks for his ruler. 
or in our case, for the government for which he works. Right? The ambassador, he does not speak on his own authority. He is not there to represent himself. He does not come with his own message, but he speaks the message given to him by his king. That is what an ambassador does. And that is a description of the Christian living in the world. She lives in a place that is not her home. She regularly engages with those who are not from her home. Not yet. Right? She lives with, talks with, eats with, befriends, works with, plays on the same team as a people who are not from the kingdom. And she does so to engage them for the kingdom, to speak her king's message to them, to represent the kingdom to those who are not yet a part of it. That is the description of the Christian living in the world. Paul says, God, it's as if God is making his appeal through us. That word for, for appeal. Uh, to use it of God seems almost blasphemous because it's the word for, for begging, entreating, pleading. Right? That the, the ambassador of grace pleads with people. Be reconciled to God. Come to the Father through Jesus the Son. That is the role of the ambassador. Those who have been saved by grace become ambassadors of grace. And what is our message? What is the appeal that we make to the world? Paul gives it to us in verse 21. He says, For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That's it. That's the message of reconciliation. There's three parts to it. First, Jesus knew no sin. He is the perfect, holy, eternal Son of God who took on flesh and lived a blameless, perfect, law-abiding life. He knew no sin. But He was made sin for us. So then there's two parts to that. First, that tells us we are sinners. We are sinful. And we deserve God's wrath. Jesus did not become sinful. When Paul says He was made sin, he's not saying that Jesus became sinful. He's saying that Jesus was made our substitute. That He took my place. The condemnation I deserve, He took it. In my place, condemned, He stood. He received the sentence I deserve. So, Jesus knew no sin. He was made sin for us. Why? So that we could become the righteousness of God. Not only did Jesus receive the sentence I deserved, and so my sins are paid for, but He also gives me His righteousness which I don't deserve. Now, I'm not made righteous any more than Jesus was made sinful. It's not, a, it's not a transformation. It's not infused into me. It's simply imputed to me. It's given to me. It's said about me. 
that, that when Jesus takes my place on the guilty stand, I am removed and put in the place of the innocent. We swap places. We are given His righteousness declared to be righteous. So just as my sinful record is imputed to Him, so His righteous record is imputed to me. We transfer. That's the message of reconciliation. That's how God in Christ is reconciling the world to Himself. He has made peace. And now He sends His messengers of peace out into the world. And the message of peace is that Jesus has done all that is necessary for you to be made right with God. And so, like Paul, we can say, be reconciled to God. If this is the first time that you're hearing this, or maybe it's the hundredth time, but for the first time you're realizing, I'm not right with God. I've been trying to approach God on my own merit, on my own steam. I've never accepted Jesus as the substitute, the in-my-place substitute. I've never realized that I have His righteousness and there's nothing else I need. Friend, be reconciled to God. Come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give Him the glory. Great things He has done. Be reconciled to God. That's our message And that's how we live. Let's pray.